Welcome to the Dr. Mudgill Podcast. I've been trying to put this one together for a couple of weeks now. I got my man, M. Session Faluke here, better known, I would say, as Oye, Oye Mayo. Uh, so, Oye, I found out about Oye through uh, one of my buddies from high school, actually, my buddy from middle school. He sent me a Vice video, which was which showcased your hustle, basically, you know, making nutcrackers or, uh, or grown-up juice, I guess, also goes by. Um and uh, it was it was a great video it was like just a really slick video but you know in that video you really kind of conveyed your hustle and you know it showcased a little bit of you know, the marketing and using social media to to brand yourself which was very different i think than other folks who make nutcrackers you have right. your own brand of it called oyes you know which everyone knows that's the brand you know it's kind of like the nike of of nutcrackers i would say right 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 here we got it right here you here yeah, right there, or like the Rolex of Nutcrackers, you know, or the Bentley of Nutcrackers, you know, whatever way you want to put it. But uh, so, you know, I saw that. I was like, that's, pre that's pretty cool. And then I kind of went into like a little bit of a deep dive about you. So, I, you know, obviously I went to Google and I found there was a New York Times article about you. You've been written up in a couple of places. Um, and you, you kind of are, I would say, like the Nutcracker ambassador, you know, like you're kind of like the go-to guy for media when it comes to like, exploring the culture and like you know and i think just especially this during this time of the shutdown people couldn't go to bars and you know new york city i mean i'm from new york too and it's just basically a shit show right um everything shut down and the summer was kind of a wash for a lot of folks and that, that's where you stepped in man but you also have a very interesting background and an interesting story so thank you so much for being here man i really appreciate this and i'm and i'm really super excited to learn more about you and hear about your story my man Nah, man i appreciate you man i'm just happy to be here doc Love it, man. Love it. All right, man. So let's let's get into it a little bit. Um, so I'm going to get into all of the stuff in terms of your business model and, and how you've expanded your business. But, but before we get to that, you know, the backstory always is always for me like the most interesting part. Um, so you're a New York City guy, right? You grew up in Queens. Born in Brooklyn, grew up in Queens. Yes, I was, I, was <laughs> born in I was born in Brooklyn too. Okay, okay. Yeah, I actually lived in Stark City for a while before we moved out to Long Island. My brother who's seven years older than me. When he was starting high school, we actually got out of Star City and, and moved to the Burbs. Okay, mine was, I was, uh, I was about six. I, w I was in Bed-Stuy. Okay. And then we moved out to Queens. <laughs> so you, um, you're no, I mean, just when you Google you, like Google your name, there's a lot of stuff that comes up about basketball. Um, so I imagine that you're, you know, you're a great player growing up. I know you played for college. You played for New Paltz. Definitely. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of actually footage of you. Uh, that, that you can find online, like YouTube and stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, you studied business, right? Yeah, marketing. Cool. So, I mean, go figure. Uh, was that, you picked it or did you have an interest in business? I had an interest in business. I went to school for uh, business. But I first chose finance. And then I got into finance and then I realized that I did not want to be sitting behind a desk crunching numbers, but I love numbers. Um, I got introduced to marketing. I said, I'm just going to go with marketing. And then it just fit my personality uh, perfect. So were, were you going to New Paltz primarily as a student or were you going as like a ball player and looking for like advance your career in basketball? No, actually I started basketball late. I was a late bloomer. I played one year high school basketball. I didn't have a lot of, uh, I guess, support in basketball because it wasn't, it was always academics. It was always business. It was, that was always preached in my household. And then I got good at some point in my adolescence and it all came together. Senior year, I averaged, I think it was like 24 points, 14 rebounds. Oh, wow. And then I made a little highlight tape, sent it out to a bunch of colleges, but I didn't have anybody uh, 
necessarily looking for me. They was one year senior. Um, so I, everything I do, everything that I've done is, has been me promoting myself to get, you know what I'm saying? I'll see something, I'm like, oh shoot, I can play ball. Uh, let me put this tape together and send it to some colleges, even though I don't got nobody that's really looking for me. And, you know, I got a couple calls and, and I end up going upstate. Well, that's amazing, man. So you were actually into marketing before you were into marketing. Right, because uh, in high school, uh, I went to my first high school, well, my, second, my first high school, I had a private school. Uh, I went to arts and business and they had a business program. I was always a part of that. Uh, growing up in different programs, I used to run uh, a business group for a music project uh, that a bunch of my friends uh, were doing. We had a bunch of artists, we had uh, 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 the, 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 um, the graphics people and we were the marketing business people when we came up with like little stock trust funds for people to invest in the music. And, you know, so I've always had that uh, doing prepaid legal at 16 using my mom's account, um, you know, trying to sign people up and doing that. So I've always had that, uh, that, that, that push, yeah. You're always a hustle. Well, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago that business was very important, like in your household. Like your your what? What do your parents do? Well, not necessarily business. More more academics. More looking at the bigger picture. Doing doing things outside of the norm. And, and you know, basketball and things that like for my mom, she just always pushed me to do different things and, and look at different opportunities. And uh, business was one that I always uh, always looked at. Yeah. Gotcha. But my I mom is a uh, my mom is an educator. Uh, she has a doctor's degree in, in you know, African-American studies and things of that nature. And my dad is a celebrity vocal coach. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, were, he was on uh, MTV's Making a Band uh, with Diddy and, and Day 26 and Danny Queen. And then after that, he worked with a bunch of different celebrities. And he's still in the business uh, vocal coach. So he's a singer? Uh, he was a singer-songwriter up into his career, turned into, you know, vocal guru. Uh, he's really a spiritual guy. So, like, the entertainment industry wasn't necessarily a hundred percent for him. So he went to the teaching field of music. Uh, and then, you know, in his later ages, uh, landed right back into the entertainment industry through teaching uh, and, and you know, as a vocal coach. Wow, that's fascinating, man. That's pretty cool. So your ex the expectation for you going to college was like, you know, obviously you're were, you were playing ball, but like you're studying business was like the main, was the main focus for you when you got to school. Right, right, right. I mean, but it was really having fun. You know what I'm saying? Um, at that point, you know, I was good at school. I was I could always, you know, pass and study, but you know, that partying experience, being away from home, having your own like place and you can do whatever you want, man, that experience was just amazing and 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 able and being able to find yourself uh and what you want to do. And you know, a marketing degree, you know, my path hasn't necessarily been the one that, you know, my shit go over your head, over here, over here, over here, and then oh shit, look, I'm here. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I've tried a bunch of things in college. It just, it just wasn't necessarily, I went for marketing, uh, basketball popped up late in my life. I was really good at that. Um, um, so I went there for that too. Um, you know, just finding myself and finding all my talents and, and, and trying to, you know, take advantage of those. So you graduated, you graduated from New York? Yep, yep, four years. And then, and then, so did you like get a marketing job after that? Cause I know there was like, you played basketball overseas or something like that. Or, right. So. I, um, I played semi-professional my fourth year in college. Uh, uh, I, I, was, I was done with, you know, my eligibility. So then I just played semi-professional my last three months while I was in school uh, upstate uh, for a semi-professional team, the Hudson Valley Hawks. So I played with them. We won the championship. 
I was like the MVP of the game, scored 50 points for the championship game. Then I played with them another year when I graduated. But again, just didn't really have 100% ambition for the NBA. I was really just uh, just honing in on my talents, having a good time with that. Uh, and in that, I tripped along certain things in basketball. So basketball has opened up plenty of doors. I graduated. I was uh, got on Spike TV show, uh, Pros versus Joes. I got to play against Alonzo Mourning, Eddie Jones, Antoine Walker. And I'm like 23, just coming out of college. Um, you know, uh, Rucker Park champion, New York City Rucker Park champion, uh, you know, all-star from like all of the big tournaments, West Forth, Dykeman, uh, um, all of these different leagues in New York City. I did go overseas to play in uh, FIBA, which is the International Basketball League. They have a three-on-three. -three. And they started it uh, some years ago. Now it's actually an Olympic sport, um, where it's pretty, pretty, pretty big. It's an Olympic sport now, but I started that uh, 2012 and 2013. I went to Puerto Rico and Mexico City. Uh, my teammate, the World Tour. Puerto Rico, I think, was the semifinals. Uh, Mexico, I think, was semifinals again. Um, but basketball has always been in my life. Coach kids uh, out of college. Um, my first marketing job, really, and it wasn't even a job. It was a hustle, too, because my dad, he had just... He had just got on making a band. I graduated. So when I came home, my father is being seen by millions of people on a weekly basis. And I'm like, dad, this is, we got to make some money. How can we make some more? Or how can we make some more money off of this? So I was like, we're going to do, I came up with this idea. Like we're going to do a showcase and a workshop. And we're going to go, we're going to try to go to city to city. We're going to start in New York and we're going to do a workshop for a week long. We're going to do classes of 25 people um, each. We're gonna have we're gonna charge them five hundred dollars each each student. It's a I think it was three weeks or three class. I forget how many workshops we did. This is years ago, and then at the end of the workshop, we would do a showcase where everybody can invite their friends and family to a venue, and we'll do a showcase where they can sing. And we did that. Uh, we did that in Jersey. We did that in New York a few times, um, and that was like my first marketing because I was the marketing manager I mean it was my job but it was my dad so he had to be the boss so I was the marketing manager but really the creator really the the innovator of that uh, for him and we made money I mean we we made money um and that was like my real first and it wasn't a job it was like me doing my thing and my dad like granting me the permission to use his name and likeness and uh push that market that you know I've gotten cars I used to uh, do parties and promote parties so when making the band had just got chosen. So the five members, I got access to them. So I'm taking them to North Carolina. My co one of my old coaches was coaching down there at the school. He was like, yo, bring them down. I'll give you a couple grand and I'll give them some money. Boom, brought them down there. I did a bunch of, you know, different things out of, straight out of college with really entrepreneurship. And then, uh, you know, at some point it was like, all right, I got to get a job, got to be steady within the hustle because hustles go up and down. And, you know, I don't know that. I'm figuring it out. I'm real stubborn. My parents are trying to tell me, get a job. I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. And, you know, but eventually I got, you know, different little marketing jobs, um, working with kids. Really, working with kids was a lot uh, easier to obtain a position, uh, you know, coming up out of college. Everybody wants all of this uh, experience and entry-level jobs are very, they don't pay that much. So I really got into kids, a lot of the camps, a lot of basketball camps, uh, uh, New York Knicks camps. Uh, Philadelphia 76er camps, uh, hoop group uh, up in, uh, I think they're in Poconos, um, uh, basketball uh, city, different, just different camps 
uh, and clinics and, and working on Sundays at a school in Long Island with a, a game seven basketball as one of the head coaches and, and putting over a hundred kids through uh, drills for five to seven hours throughout that day. You know, that's better pay than I was offered as a uh, entry level marketing guy at $12 an hour. At least I'm getting paid $25 an hour or $30 an hour uh, to do my thing. And then eventually, I was able to, uh, I worked as a social media specialist at Resorts World Casino, the only casino out here in New York City. Um, so they, created right? position. Go ahead. That's the one in Queens, right? Right, the one in Queens. Uh, so when that opened, I applied for a job. I got an advertising job. I was there for three months under advertising, like a coordinator, $12 an hour. One of those positions that we're talking about, entry level, I hated it. Only because I wasn't getting paid and I felt like they would treat me like, and I, at that point, I think I'm like 27, 28. And I was like, gave myself to, the corporation, like I gave myself to the man. I was like, all right, here I come. Give me a job. All right, let's do it. And for three months, you know, and then a, a position opened up or my boss quit. I got the chance to speak to the, the VP of marketing. They really liked me. They, they gave me a position, social media specialist. That's when social media the positions were just opening up in all of these corporations. So I think I was going to pay like $25 or $30 an hour, whatever it was. It was really good pay, I felt like. And I got to use my camera, talk to celebrities, uh, you know, just Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I started it all for them, built it up, uh, not to where it's at today, but, you know, until I was, until I left. Um, yeah, so, yeah, marketing, marketing, but I use marketing throughout the whole life. People don't understand that marketing is almost like a, a life skill. Yeah. It's a life skill that everybody should have at some level up, because uh, when you're going to get a job, you're marketing yourself. If you're going to go play for a team or, or your high school team or your junior high school team or whatever you're going for, you have to market yourself in a certain way that you want to be seen. So everybody's marketing, whether they call it marketing or not, or if they're doing good or bad, um, but it's a life skill. And I think people should really look at it as that as well. Uh, I think that, I think that's so well said, man. So you, when you had this like nine to, well, I, don't, I don't know if it was nine to five, but when you had like, uh, you know, when you were working for the man, how long did that, how long did that last for? Man, you want to know, you know the truth, man. Like most of my job, probably ninety five percent of the jobs I've had, I've I've gotten let off, let go, like fired. And it's always at a point where I feel like there's like a glass ceiling and there's nowhere to go. And God just blesses me and is like, I get I get fired and I move on. So I've had several different jobs. After the casino, I think that was two years, and then um, in between the casino and the next job, that's when I actually started started the brand. Oh yes. Stop right there for a minute. So, how old are you now? I'm 35. You're 35. Yep. How old were you, like, when you started Oyez on the side? Oyez, like Oyez as a brand. No. I want to say 29. Nutcrackers, just nutcrackers. Nutcrackers. 2005. I was a sophomore in college. Okay. So, in college, you had a little side hustle going where you would sell nutcrackers at parties and stuff, or like events, concerts. Whatever was going on on campus, I was the man. Late night, I was the man. Um, and then coming out of college, I didn't necessarily do Nutcrackers. I didn't do Nutcrackers. I mean, I did it a couple years. Between 21 or 22 and 29, I may have did it a couple summers here and there, but nothing, like, really at all. Okay. So just, like, a lot of my audience may or may not know what Nutcrackers are. Um, so basically, you know, Nutcrackers, it's like an urban drink. Uh, probably these. <laughs> From what I understand, started in like Dominican neighborhoods, like Washington Heights. Definitely, Basically like you know, rum mixed with fruit juice, or you know, vodka mixed with fruit juice, and uh, you know, whatever. Even like Everclear mixed with fruit juice, just like drink. Right, right, right. 
<laughs> they taste good, and then basically, you know, you kind of get out of your mind, like after you drink a couple of those. Right, right. I'm on. The, I'm on the crack one in a minute. I'm getting hot. So, <laughs> so it's it's like a summer drink. Like you know, you're at the beach or at a concert. You're like hanging out in the park. You know, whatever. You know, and it's like a refreshing alcoholic beverage for adults. You know. Right, right. So. And then that developed into a whole subculture. So between like, you know, you were kind of at the beginning-ish of it. Like, you know, it had been around. You, you probably drank nutcrackers in high school with your friends and stuff like that, you know. Um, even though you're not supposed to, but of course, you know. Right, right. Yeah, that's just kind of how it worked. And it's an easy drink to disguise that has alcohol in it because it looks like fruit juice. You know, it's in like a fruit juice container, essentially. And uh, so through college, obviously, it's like a very good drink to have around, you know, if you're at a concert on campus or whatever to hanging out on campus and stuff right. so anything i mean we used to sneak them in the clubs we, we used to do it all so you, you know you were living the culture you were exploiting the market a little bit saying okay this is a good little side hustle i can make some extra money you know you'd make it i don't know in your dorm room or frat house or whatever wherever it was take them to campus and start doing it and you're like, that that just I'm, i don't want to speak for you but kind of when the seed i would imagine for you got planted like oh this is like a cool little side hustle where i could get some cash in my pocket Right, right, right. I mean, I'm a quick thinker, so it was, it was a. I got introduced to it that year. Like somebody told me about a Nutcracker. I remember it was sophomore year, and it was like, it's, 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 it's colada. They got different flavors. You get it uptown. I was like, I ain't know where to get it from. I never tasted, or I tasted it his, but I didn't know where to get it from. I had no clue where to get it from. I just created my own. I, I got Kool Aid and water and liquor and water bottles and made my own, and then that was it. Like I, I still to this day probably never tasted the official <laughs> nutcracker from whoever made the official one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just it was just that 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 that's what it was. Uh, me hearing about it. Oh shit. Oh shit. We can make money off of that. All right. Let's try it. And then we just started making money. I was selling one for five dollars, three for twelve. Great prices on college campuses. We were making great profit because the bottle of liquor was only costing us fifteen bucks. And right. everything else was only costing us five, ten bucks with the sugar and the cold Kool-Aid. So twenty-five bucks could make us a hundred fifty dollars, something like that. Then you know, hundred dollars, we doing good. We doing really good. Right. Uh, and I had other a couple of my my uh, my, my roommate, uh, me and him were partners in it at the time, and we just we just we made song about it, Nutcracker sipping, yeah. uh, a little mixtape. If you bought a mixtape. If you bought two drinks or something, you get the mixtape for free. If you bought a mixtape, you get a drink for free or something. I forget what the deal was, but we used to do it like that. And, uh, it's, it's great. To, it's crazy because I get to talk about it and uh, reminisce. But yeah, Nutcracker Sipping was a song on campus that people were like really fuck with. Like we used to promote it, push it. We didn't perform it because we, we were like, we ain't rappers, man. We, we business, man. We in college. We ain't rappers. But we damn sure was in the studio. <laughs> That's amazing, man. All right, so now let's fast forward again now. So you said the the summer, what what year was it when you actually started the OEA brand? Uh, I want to say 2014. Oh, so 2014. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about that. So, you know, you're selling, were you selling like nutcrackers on the side at that point before no. you started the OEA brand? No. no I, I think at the time I didn't have a job. I had just uh, been laid off from the casino. Um, probably doing a beginning unemployment, didn't have a job, playing a lot of basketball, hanging out in the neighborhood. And a really good friend of mine, I kind of like look at him like a big brother. You know what I'm saying? We had a conversation. He was like, man, you should sell drinks, man. You'd be good to market it. I'll take care of everything else. We just, you know what I'm saying? We'll go 50-50, make it happen. So, you know what I'm saying? He was a man of his word, man of my word. We did what we did. And that's what bursted that summer, uh, the OEA's brand. And then uh, from then on, uh, I kind of ran with it. Uh, and, and took it to where it's at now. 
So where's the Oye come from, man? What's the significance of Oye? Um, o- Oye, man, honestly, man, because I'm going to take it back to where it originally came from. Oye is like the opposite of, not the opposite. It's like, the, it's different than what the street is, but it's not the street, right? So what comes, what, what's mostly sold in the street that's not really good for your community is like crack, right? And, 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 and what comes from crack is yayo, right? Yayo. So I'm the opposite. We're the opposite of yayo. So we on the streets, we next to it, but we just not that. So let's just be, let's make an opposite. So let's take something that I can sell in the streets and make it corporate. You know what I'm saying? People sell crack and cocaine and then they go and start rapping and entertaining and then they got to stop doing that and just talk about doing that and just do something else, which don't make no sense. So why not be a part of something, create a culture where you can take and be yourself and continue to run with it and take it as far as you could. So that's, that's, that's the, you know, the real background behind it. Brilliant. That's brilliant, man. So you came up with that name that summer, like 2014, or was that something? Right, right. Actually, my partner did. I had, the funny thing is, right, I had just changed my name. I was OJ the Juice Man, basketball player, uh, a videographer, you know, entrepreneur type of dude. That's what people knew me for. And I was stepping into, like, I wanted to start making music. I wanted to do different things. And, you know, OJ Simpson and OJ the Juice Man, the actual rapper, they already had that lane. So I had changed my name to OJ, and I spelled it O-Y-E. Right. And that's what it was. And then maybe a few days or a few weeks, me and him had this conversation and he's had this idea. It wasn't like it was organic. It wasn't like he played off of me and took something from me. No, he had this idea. I had made this move without even making it a public thing. So it was just organic how he had that idea. We good friends. Boom. I already changed. Then then maybe the next year I I changed the spelling of how I spelled Oye just to keep it you know, branded as it is, but that's, that's the true, that's the true story. Well, I love it, man. That's, that's a good, that's a good backstory. Right. So you start, oh, it's 2014. You start, okay, we're going to sell these drinks. We're going to call them OEAs. And is what next? Like, did you start, did you make labels? Like, you know, I don't, we had labels, but every drink didn't have a label. It wasn't a big thing at first. See my, me and my partner used to go back and forth. He wanted to do the labels at first. I didn't cause I used to sell nutcrackers here and there. And I was a little scared, like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can put, we're gonna put the name on it and then they gonna know where to find us. And you know, because- It's illegal. Right, it's illegal and I don't know, right? Until I sell it for the summer. And we did put labels on it here and there, but not all the time. And then the next year I realized, you know, the label is actually the best thing to do because it takes you out of the category of what everybody else is doing. And yeah. that was the lesson learned in the first year. So 2014, you developed the brand OEA. 2015, so is it a summer thing? It was it just summer a thing. It's always been a summer thing. Okay. It's always been a summer thing. It's just that towards maybe 2018, 2019, the summer months, uh, I, I extended them. Uh, I mean, it started in April and went all the way until November. Gotcha. So basically the brand is building every summer. So 2014, you get your start. 2015, it's a little bit bigger. You got your, you know, they're known as OEAs. Everything is labeled as OEAs. I think one of the things I read, or I think one of the things I read was you're, you're like a, it's a higher end brand. Like the, the bottle is a little bit, the bottle is better. The label is better. The cap is better. The ingredients are better. The process is better. Um, the alcohol is better. Like you actually use Hennessy. And, and... Right, right. So that's where it started. Cause when I first started selling drinks, um, before I created the OEAs, I knew about, I was selling nut, I was selling nutcrackers here and there between five or six years. It's here and there, maybe an event, a big parade or something like that I would run to. Um, but I noticed everybody would say, nutcrackers, 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 all you were here. Nutcrackers, nutcrackers, nutcrackers. So me being part of that, I'm saying nutcrackers too. And I'm like, I don't even got 
Nut, I don't like to say nutcrackers because my drinks are specifically different brands. So I got a Henny drink, and then in that Henny one, I may have different flavors. I may have mango, I may have colada, I may have grape. And then I got vodka, and that's Ciroc. And I may have a peach, I may have a mango, whatever different flavors and, and different uh, liquor, uh, liquor categories. So I realized that I had to start getting people's attention differently because people were starting to look at nutcrackers at the time as bath made, handmade, who made those? Where'd you get those from? I don't know, let me look at your face. If you don't smile the right way, I'm not gonna buy it from you. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I had to differentiate my, the way I marketed myself in the marketplace. So it became Henny Patron Ciroc Rum Punch or whatever I had liquor, I would just say that the brand of liquor that I had and that would catch people's attention that much more quicker. And I noticed Within a year or so of me doing that and me and, and me training my guys that come with me doing that, that other nutcracker dealers would start, I would start hearing Grey Goose. Oh, I got Henny, I got Patrol, I got this. And I'm looking around like, shit, y'all was saying nutcrackers last year. Like, you know what I'm saying? So they notice the difference in people's reaction and you get more sales of it. So you were getting more market share, you'd say, by saying Hennessy or Ciroc or the, but the brand? Like, did you, that was like your, you were getting more market share of selling the nutcracker? Right, right. And wherever marketplace I was at, and definitely the way I come off, you know what I'm saying? Most, if I go somewhere, I'm gonna be, I'm in different places depending on where it's at. But on a good day, I'm gonna be with three good guys, four good guys, and we be all tall, six five and better, six three and better, basketball hands, some smiling, joking with the people, uh, uh, good vibes. Everybody don't look like us that are selling these drinks. So that's another uh, a layer of marketing that I make sure that, you know. All right. Well, you covered all angles, man. So when did when did you start actually like, because it sounds like you've had a big presence in social media for a very long time, you know, like you were developing social media for the casino, like when, you know, they didn't have any social media. No one really had much social media back then. So from day one, were you documenting this on social media, Instagram? Yeah, from day one, from day one. I got videos and pictures from 2015, 2014, really, but really 2015 was when I really, uh, created the Instagram page, uh, started just marketing, uh, doing little videos and just, because I have a background, my background is uh, included in all of that other stuff. I ran a blog. Uh, the blog was uh, called POW TV. Uh, me and my partner started it. Uh, I think we, at one point we was at 50,000 views a month. Uh, we were doing interviews, like on camera interviews with uh, artists like Trina, um, um, Kay Michelle, um, 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 Meek Mill, Wale, um, um, we had DJ Khaled, uh, at some point he was around Rick Ross and Diddy and, and French Montana and all of these videos are on, on, on YouTube. So people can check them out, um, on POW TV, but I kind of separated myself from that. But in that I did all of the editing of the videos. If I wasn't shooting, um, the, the, the video, I was in the video and then I would come home and edit the videos and we would try to, you know, beat certain publications to whatever event we was at. If something went down, we got to run home and edit and then try to send it off so all the other publications could pick them up. And that was the marketing behind that, uh, just taking that skill. And, and then after that, then started doing up and coming uh, artists music videos. You know, I had a camera and I, I got some lights and I've been running around selling 300, 400, $500 music videos. And I did about 50 of those um, over the years. And then, um, and then getting into uh, OJs, just having all those talents and, and just incorporating that into the drink um, over time, you know, it grew. Honestly, it was at 1900, 2000, maybe before Vice. Vice really blew it up. You know, Vice really blew it up. 
Um, but well, before that, New York Times, Hip Hop DX, I've been going for it. You know, they all ask me, do you want to use your name? Yes. Do you want to use your face? Yes. Put me out there. Because um, the way I see it is, if two things can happen, one thing, if, if the bad thing happens, IRS or whoever is going to come, you know, that's just something I have to deal with. At the same time, I will use it as PR marketing to to, to push my brand to the front, the fourth. Because the biggest problem is, is uh, uh, the opportunities that you know black and brown people are not getting. You know, the 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 the, the, the teaching of entrepreneurship, the teaching of business, the teaching of finance that we're not just given. It's not everybody's given in school. Like we're just not taught that. I came out of college. I came out of college looking like, how do I make money? Like I should have some sort of answer besides get a job coming out of college. And it, it took me years to really figure out that it's a product, get a product. The services are good. You can make money off the services. And if you build it up, you can get a whole this amount of money. But if you had a product, boom, 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 you build it. Yeah, this shit can make millions. And you can really just, be, you know, and, I, and that took me years and years, years of years of trying things, looking job after job, hustle after hustle, did, did, did. And, and, and I think that should be taught from beginning, I think that should be taught in, in school, and it is. It's taught to certain groups of people, I'm sure, uh, in the households, uh, uh, and different programming or whatever. But I just think that the real issue um, is, is is that is that is teaching uh, uh, black and brown people about entrepreneurship, about money, about finances, about credits and debits and banking and all of that. So they have these tools from young. Maybe I oh yeah, is what it came out when I was 25. You know what I'm saying? But now nah, I had to go through and learn so many different ways. And I'm not mad at I'm not mad at it because I'm here. Because I made it. You know what I'm saying? I made it to where I want to go. And I'm not I'm not complacent because I got so much more to do and go. But it's glad to have somebody like Doc and, and sitting here doing a Zoom and talking to you about my, my, my path, you know? You know, you said this, you said so many things there, man. Uh, so many really important things. And I just want to touch on a few of them. Um, so one of the, the last point that you were making that, you know, like brown and brown and black communities don't necessarily get the, you know, the business teachings, you know, the truth is, I don't think any real community gets it as a community, but I do think it's all starts in the household. So like, for instance, your kids are going to be entrepreneurs or have an entrepreneurial mindset because they see your hustle. You know, my kids will likely be have a similar mindset. Also, I same for me. I didn't have my mom was a doctor at all. And she worked for the government in St. Albans, you know, the VA hospital there. It was just like a nine to five doctor and you know we were, she wasn't like a baller doctor like we were you know very humble roots um single parent you know that type of deal so i i and in fact she discouraged entrepreneurship you know when i when i came out of my residency she said you don't just get a job you know just a job at a hospital or for practice have a steady stable income you know her big concern was i want you to be able to stand on your own two feet whereas you know my wife's family they basically have the American dream. Like my, you know, my father-in-law came here, he worked his ass off. He was a doctor, but he was also a businessman. And he set up this tremendous empire, became very, very successful. And my wife had that mindset. So we got married and I was like, you know, I should start a practice. She's like, start a practice. You know, she really pushed me to it. That wasn't my mindset. You know what I mean? So like, my point is our kids will benefit from our hustle in terms of having expanding their minds, you know? And I think it's really the responsibility, the responsibility really lies on the household, on, on, the, on the families to teach their kids those types of lessons, you know what I mean? Um, the other part of it is you're obviously like a hustler, you know? There's like so much stuff that you have going on at all times. Like you, you're a videographer, basically. What, what, like, what software and stuff were you using? Just because I'm curious to like edit oh. 
Yes, sir. Right, Final Cut Pro. That's what I that's what I learned in Final Cut Pro yeah. Adobe Premiere. Yeah, yeah. So the real shit. You're using like the real stuff. So you're going into like iMovie and making some shitty movie. Uh, I'm learning I'm, and I'm teaching myself. Right. So you're using like the real like that's the stuff that we use for like my Instagram posts and for my YouTube videos. And you know, I'm a professional videographer that I work that that works, you know, full time for me that we that we create all this content. And I see the process. It's like a painstaking process that requires a lot of knowledge and you know, you have to really kind of manipulate the software to get the product that you're looking for. So it's not like you just would record a video on your iPhone and be like, okay, it's 500 bucks. I'm going to record a video on my phone. Are you going to edit an iMovie? Which is a lot of the shit that you see out there. Right. Like that's what people offer. Yours was very different. You're like, I have a camera. You probably had a nice camera. And you, you, you invested in making a quality product for your consumer, right? So you made one video that turned into 500 videos. Because if you made some piece of shit video, like no one's going to hire you. you right, right, right. That's part of the marketing, right? So even for an OEA brand, that's part of your marketing. It's like, okay, yeah, I could make a nutcracker and just sell and say nutcracker, nutcracker, nutcracker. But no, you were the, probably the first guy to use Ciroc, to use Hennessy, to use Patron. And like, well, you know, you like kind of jump on that name recognition of a brand that's a little bit elevated. So like, hey, this guy is different. You know, like that's why I'm going to wear, that's why I want to, you know, wear Nike and not some off brand. You know, like these are things, it's like sort of brand recognition, you know? It's like you don't even imagine how many more sales I got just by saying those brands because people automatic Henny. Oh, I love Hennessy. They go look like, oh, you got it. And then you give them the smile. You say something else. Come on, come on. You look at it twice. Got to know the price. And you know, they, now they in the cooler. And now, you, now you're making sales. You know, so yeah. I think the important point, if part of the important points is, you know, you spent more money to make more money. You know what I'm saying? So like you invested in premium alcohol, you invested in premium products, like you invested in a nice camera and a nice computer probably to make those videos to offer a higher end product. Right. And so it costs you more money to do it, but that takes takes balls to like say, you know what, well, I'm not gonna cut a corner here. Like let's put the investment in now, offer something that's a little bit more premium. Let's get a better bottle. Let's get a better label. You right. know, that that is, marketing you know because when I because after I did because the better bottle didn't come until maybe 2018 before this I'm using the ones that everybody used the other frosted ones I just got a label on yeah it says oh yeah and I may have a t-shirt on or a flag on my cooler or something like that um, um so this didn't come until 2018 and I mean the difference I was able to add on price so before a drink like this I'm selling for say seven dollars seven dollars and now i can sell it for 10 right and my ten dollar bottle i can sell for 15. Right. and my 20 dollar bottle i can sell for 25. Right, so right. because of that i was able to actually make more money in the long run right right smart um so when was that vice when was that vice video made man that was uh august that was this august yeah. so yeah right. i thought it was recent yep, yep. so like the, the the brand is building you know over the course of like five or six years the brand is building every summer right like just, I mean, you, you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to, but like, say like 2019, which was like hot summer, you know, there was no like Corona and none of that shit going on. Yeah, right. it was popping. How much would you, would you make in a season? Would you say? In a season, see that was, but see, 2019 was my best season yet. Right. That's what I was here. What's what? What was your best season? You know, my best season, man. I, can, I always talk about the best month, man. And the best month was 20k. Yeah, that 20K. was. 20K. That was 19, right? 
20, that was 2019. And my best event, my best weekend, I made like $11,000. Amazing. And, and, you know, and, I'm, and then on, in that one, I ended up going to all the homecomings down the East Coast, all the black colleges. I made a bunch of those. And, and, and either any one of those you can make, you know, between five and $10,000, each one you go to. Um, and I'm and I'm bringing people with me, so I'm also, uh, uh, you know, community economics. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I've always, since young, learning about uh, prepaid legal when I was 16. I've always tried to add that model to whatever I was doing. And can you explain what that is? Uh, prepaid, prepaid legal. Prepaid legal is a network marketing company. Uh, basically, where you sign up, uh, they have legal services, so you can sign people up to do legal services, but you make your real money up on signing other people up, people up to sell the business, um, to sell prepaid legal. So this is network marketing. Um, basically, there's probably a bunch of them now, Amway. Uh, I can't remember all the other ones that, you know, that are now. But I've always, you know, even in college, I, I had these ideas. I was looking at a book the other day and I had plans that, I never did it, but I had plans on having nutcrackers in each dorm and having somebody in each dorm with a case of nutcrackers and I did the math and I'm looking at this shit I'm like oh shit this is where it comes from I never did it but fast forward uh to the OEAs I had friends around me you know good guys I call them shoppers we got the shopper gang and it's a bunch of shoppers and we're all good guys we all come from the neighborhood you know we embody what OEAs is and it's like we're from the neighborhood uh so we're not we're not better but we're just a little different, you know what I'm saying? We're not so intertwined into the activities or the negative activities that a neighborhood could, you know, offers people. Um, so I offered them 50% of whatever they do. Whatever you guys sell, you know, it started 60-40, but at some point I was like, you know, these are my friends. I want them to be more, I want them to be excited when they sell. I don't want them to feel like they got to break me off 60 and they only get it. But let's do half. Let's do 50-50. Me and you 50-50, me and you 50-50, me and I have 10 people going, I'm going 50-50 with. So that means I gotta have all these drinks so that I can make, if I wanna make three, four thousand dollars for myself, and then I gotta make enough drinks so they can make it. If somebody wants to make a thousand dollars today, I gotta make sure that I got two thousand dollars worth of drinks for my man Avery, or I gotta have two thousand dollars worth of drinks for my man Hot, you know what I'm saying? Or I got a, I got a, I got a wholesale order, somebody just called me and said they want a they hundred drinks at the five dollar drink price, cause I'm doing 50-50 on the wholesale too with other people that are not necessarily shoppers that are just calling and say, yeah, I'm gonna make some money this weekend. Can I get a hundred piece? They'll come pick up the hundred piece, $500, boom, they go sell it for 10, 20, whatever they wanna sell it for, they sell it for. Um, so at that point, um, you know, it, it's like, if you can make money, you can make mad money off of it. But it's like, if you don't have the process, and this is what I learned in 2019, I told myself 2020 was gonna be my last year selling drinks in the street because I see it, I get it. I'm not ready this year, but I am ready to elevate and maybe make 40,000 in a month. But, and I'm gonna use this money to make sure that this is my last season. And then Corona hit and that yeah, all changed. Yeah, but the vice hit, shit, some came good out of it. And now I'm here and now I have the opportunity, you know, the real, real opportunity to make 2020 the last year. I even made a drink the last year. I delivered a drink the last year. I did anyway. So one of the things in the Vice, uh, or I think this was maybe in the New York Times article, I can't remember where, but you're basically like, you know, people call you from, you know, no one could go, bars were closed, nothing was going on, you know, so right. people would have like get togethers, even in like Long Island and stuff. I think this was the Vice thing, you know, you drive right. out there, like your your people like reach out to, I guess, on Instagram, right? Right, so so when Vice, when, when the corona hit, so maybe three years, before, maybe 2017, 
all, all the way up until maybe 2017, 2018, I was doing deliveries or I would, people could come pick up drinks for me. And it wasn't until I moved to Brooklyn when I realized New York City had so much more to offer uh, for, for a drink seller uh, that can be elusive and have people selling with them. There was so much to offer and I learned that. So I stopped doing deliveries. Um, I was only doing wholesales or I was doing events. That was it. If you want drinks, you gotta buy them wholesale or you can meet me at this, this event and that's where I'll be at. Um, uh, and because, and then when Corona hit, now ain't nothing to do. I'm, I'm twirling my thumbs. I'm ready to go. 2020, my last year. Ooh, February, I'm thinking about it. Ooh, I think I'm going to start early this year. I think I'm going to start March. I think I'm going to start telling people, you know, March. I'm going to have a more March. And then it hit. Damn, what the fuck am I going to do? I mean, it was a literally standstill. Like, a literally, there was nobody outside. No, Everybody was believing or everybody was involved. And what was going on, we just had to fucking sit back and watch. So now I'm thinking, boom. So a couple months go by, maybe by May. Like, what the fuck is really going on? Like, I need, I, I mean, they can give me free money. They can do all of that. And that's fine and dandy. But the way my soul and the way my body's made up, I got to move. I got to figure ways to do things. I got to always, I'm getting big. I'm, 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 I'm a couch potato. I'm in the couch. It's like, what's going on? So I started doing Instacart. I'm on Instacart. And then it hit me maybe two weeks in the Instacart. Instacart, by the way, was good money uh, around that time when everybody was sitting down and it, I'm yeah. really good money. Those days I made like three, four hundred dollars in one day. Wow. Instacart. And then it hit me. I said, oh, I could do deliveries. So you would deliver it for Instacart. What would you do? How would you get the drinks to people? No, I wasn't doing no, no. This is just what sparked the idea to start delivering. Okay. I was doing Instacart. I wasn't doing the drinks. So okay. Gotcha. I was doing Instacart, and then two weeks in the Instacart, I said, okay. I could just do OEA's Instacart. And I just started putting money into my Instagram. I started putting money. Add money, twenty dollars on a post, twenty five dollars on a post, or from you know just posting and putting, in, and then from every post I would I started getting sales. I would get a hundred dollar order, two hundred dollar order, fifty dollar order. Things started picking up. So from every order, I would take ten percent of whatever I made and just put it in the next post. And for that for this summer, that's how I was making some some dollars. I was definitely making some dollars. I made three hundred dollars a day. It wasn't like it definitely wasn't no. You know what I'm saying? Some days it was a hundred dollars. Some days it may, I may only made fifty dollars. You know what I'm saying? It really was based on Instagram ads. It was just based on Instagram ads because at that point, at that point, people not even really looking. Your friends are not even really, your real friends. They 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 at home. They they can make their own drinks. A lot of people are making their own drinks at home. They're not really boom boom. So you got to put it out there for the people that when they see it, because a lot of New Yorkers that are not from New York that live here or that just been here for the last year or two or three and it's like, oh man, I love fucking nutcrackers. Oh, I couldn't wait to get one. Oh, you know, they all on it. And then shit, fucking see it on Instagram. Like, oh man, I saw it on Instagram. Yo, let me get a hundred of these. Like, you know what I'm saying? And that's how, I, that, and then that's how Vice found me. Um, through the, well, New York Times, uh, I think they found me from New York Times through a friend or something like that. And that was found how did the New York Times find you? Through Instagram? Uh, through Instagram. Um, one dude, the first article, cause I got two, I got one 2019 and one 2020. And the first one, he said he was just looking, he was hashtagging nutcrackers. They was going, they was doing an article on how uh, police are shut, trying to shut down nutcrackers in New York and things of that nature. And he said, yeah, your page just caught my eye. And he talked to me, you know, I got to talking. And, he, you know, I, once they gave me the, the light, I'm like, listen here, man, I'm going to tell you how great these drinks are. I'm going to tell you where they're going, where I want them to go. And hopefully somebody will read it and help me out. <laughs> That's how you do it. Hey, so Ads that you were placing, were those through like the Facebook ad manager or was it just boosting posts on Instagram? I was boosting posts on Instagram. 
Oh, really? I, at this time, I don't even have I don't even have a Facebook page. I just recently got a Facebook page after Vice. Yeah. So these weren't like targeted Instagram ads. You were literally, I mean, you were doing whatever the selections are in Instagram. Like I was, I was targeting them. That, but so right, but through through Instagram, you were doing it. Like you're saying right. on Instagram, they have the same they have the same similar uh, interface as Facebook in terms of like target age, target demographic, yeah, yeah. words, things of those nature. Yeah, interesting, man. I uh, see. So that's uh. So tell me what this summer, man. I mean, obviously the summer was you know you kind of got into it a little bit, but everyone like bars were selling, you know, cocktails and you know like right. that. So, so bars start selling nutcrackers. So at the point that I I come back out, and I start to notice that, wow, because when the New York Times came to me and they did the article, they were like, yeah, all these restaurants are doing it. So now I'm looking. And I'm like, oh shit, here goes a nutcracker bottle with a. Uh, a freaking restaurant's name on it, and they selling it like hotcakes, just like I used to sell it. Now I gotta, I gotta, I gotta compete with them. I gotta compete with um, thousands and thousands of unemployed people that have time, and they got a little money coming in from the government, and now they want to make drinks and sell drinks to their friends. You know, so a lot of networks are being crossed that have never been crossed for me. Um, so that's why Instagram did um, Instagram, Facebook ads and all that. I mean, the Instagram ads did really wonderfully for me. I didn't have to do much. And then as the summer opened up, there was a, a, some events that did open up. There was some Prospect Park used to have events. I, I, I did pretty good one day. I think I made like $4,500 at this uh, event called Freak Nick uh, in Prospect Park. There was a couple of wet fets in Prospect Park where I made a couple grand. Um, but nothing like, nothing at all. Like, wow. you know, but but I am still on track, right? The way I see it, I'm still on track with my goals as 2020 being the last time I'll be selling street drinks in the street. Uh, I'm moving on to selling street drinks to the world um, and it's never been done before. And, and you know, hopefully my dreams continue to uh, come true and my goals, I keep reaching those things and you know, we can make it happen because that shit would be hot, you know? It's, it's gonna happen. I, I have to <laughs> man. Have you ever been to, you said Freak Nick. Have you ever no, been to the no, actual Freak Nick? I was, I was young, man. No, because Freak Nick hasn't been around in a while. By the time I was really ready, to, I could like drive and take my family go all go. I think it wasn't, it wasn't going down. Yeah, so I went to college in Atlanta. Huh? So I, I went to college in Atlanta. I went to Emory. So between like 1993 and 1997 is when I was there. Okay. Freak Nick was like insane. Right, right. I know. I know. See, 97, damn, I was. Yeah, I was 12, 13, 12, 13 around there. Was, I my sister, was, my sister used to tell her about it. I used to hear about it from her friends eavesdropping and shit like that. <laughs> so tell me, so I'll just kind of, I guess, kind of take things full circle. So I know you like this is your last year, hopefully, you know, selling stuff like door to door on the street. What is the plan? So obviously you're like a well-known brand, uh, you know, every, God, like, you know, a dermatologist from New York City is talking to you. I so, said, you know, the, the world, the world knows about you. Right, man. right. Uh, and the and the guy who sent me that the uh, video, the Vice video, is like my buddy who lives in like suburban New Jersey. You know, he's a lawyer for the government. You know, he's a what? So he's a lawyer for the government. Okay. You know, he works for the government. You know, but like you know, we're all interested in, in in culture and stuff. And you know, like it was just a great piece. And you know, we kind of just explode. And I sent it to a bunch of my friends. You know, so it's just like a, you know, it's like a, it was a fascinating story. So you were basically, my point is, a lot of different worlds, a lot of different circles know about you, know about your brand and like, you know, your brand is ever expanding and like, you know, hopefully, you know, we're going to get the word out there with this podcast and, you know, more people hopefully learn about you and, and you hear your story. I mean, you're 
charming, charming dude, man. You know, like, you know, can't can't help but to love you, man. There you go. Um, what is the pl- what is the plan? So how like are you gonna sell these to stores, liquor stores? Yeah. Or- um, so what I'm working on now, I had to get uh, I had to get my LLC in place, some trademarks in place. Uh, still working on different things of that nature in terms of the structuring of the business. Uh, but the total idea is to get this drink created and then just di- distribute it. So I have to create it. I have to get the formulas for the different flavors uh, because as you know, I was using Hennessy, I was using Cambico, whatever juices I was using. Now I need to create my own juice and get barrels of liquor from a distillery or whatever partner I choose to get these barrels of liquor to make an actual Oye. Uh, so I'm looking to make a few different uh, a few different products of Oye's. You'll have the Oye's original, which is the Nutcracker brand, and you'll have different flavors and different uh, alcohol brands. You know, you have the Henny Colada, I mean, uh, your Cognac Colada, you'll have your Mango Cognac, you'll have your Vodka Peach, your rum punch and you know the honey jack lemon, uh, I mean the whiskey lemon, things of that nature. And then you'll also have uh, Oyes where you can uh, wine and beer, Oyes per se, uh, La Marita type of type of situation, um, where I'm trying to not necessarily disrupt the market, but I'm trying to get a piece of that market share um, on the walking. Um, so I'm talking to some investors. I'm talking to some manufacturing companies. I'm talking to uh, di- talking about different licensing deals, different investment deals. Um, I look to make a decision this month, um, and so I could push forward. It may not be the final decision, and all the investors I choose, but I do uh, wish to start uh, creating OYAs, the actual drink and the actual uh, beer and wine flavor uh, this month. So hopefully, uh, three, four, three to six months down the line. Uh, I'll have them in different markets. I mean, it's huge. I mean, I'm getting calls from Singapore. I'm getting calls from uh, Canada. I'm getting calls from uh, the Caribbean. Um, like you said, all walks of life are really tuning in and enjoying uh, it as much as I have been uh, for these last years. So it's pretty dope to be able to. And then it's also, like if you, like you said, social media, like everything that's on Instagram page uh, is me. I'm in the crib editing. Real quick, I do all the stuff in the morning. I get up about seven in the morning, seven thirty, and I have three pages. You know, I got the Shabba Gang page, I got my personal page, and I got the Oye's page. So I try to, you know, create something, a post for each a day. Um, you know, I try to re- meet that and do what I got to do. I also did production work, freelance production work. So I was the first assistant director on different jobs for Facebook. Uh, Ancestry worked with different artists like uh, Jay Balvin, Tiana Taylor. Um, so I've been in, in, so that's after I quit the man, I went freelance in production still while selling OYAs, OYAs. So, um, so now I'm at the point where I want OYAs to be a full-time brand. I want OYAs to be around the world and I'm going for it a hundred percent. I'm 110, 120, a thousand percent. And I'm not stopping until I get there. I usually stop. November, I usually stop. I put the OEAs away and I come back about April and we'll do it again. So I'm not stopping right now. I want the people to keep tuning in, man. And Doc, man, I appreciate you. Yeah, love it, man. So you're doing video production for those artists? Yeah, I was, I was, uh, yeah, I was a uh, part of the production team. So uh, you have your director, you have your first assistant director. Uh, so your first assistant director on set is the guy that's calling action, cut. He's telling people where to be. He's communicating everything the director needs to communicate to the staff, communicate to uh, talent. Uh, making sure the day is run on time, schedule-wise. Um, so a lot of the skills that I've gotten all over the years, I've been able to inculcate that in production 
uh, in terms of coaching, because I get to be loud, I get to be fun, I get to make people feel good, but at the same time, I have to make sure that the day is running on time and the director gets all the shots that he needs so that uh, so that the people, when they consume the content, everybody's happy. Amazing, man. Yeah. You know, uh, I've kept you here for a long time, but there are just a few things I want to say just to close out a little bit, man. So you're a guy who sets goals and, you know, you really chip away at them. And a big, a big part of my platform is actually like empowering folks and, you know, just how hustle and grind can really create a lot of self-empowerment. And, you know, a, a big part of that is accountability. Like sort of, you know, you set a goal and you're accountable to the goal that you set. So one of the things you just said was like, you know, you post the three Instagram pages a day and you do what you got to do before you start your day. You have like a, you basically have, you're accountable to your goal. Like, so, you know, in your head, you're like, okay, I got to post to these three pages and like you do it. And one of the things that winners have in common is they're true to whatever they make themselves accountable for. Otherwise they've failed the day. They've lost the day. And you know, you're a guy who doesn't want to lose the day, obviously. So, you know, you have all these things you need to get done. And if you don't do it, then you're going to feel like a loser. At, I don't want to go to sleep until it gets done, you know, and that's a big part of it. And another thing that you mentioned earlier, which I also want to talk about is like, you know, you said like you had a notebook in college, which you found where you were like writing down your business model, your ideas. And a lot of like actually achieving a goal is, is speaking it into existence. You know, like I have no doubt that OEA is going to be a global brand. You know, you said it and I know you will make that happen. And the last thing that you said was, or not the last thing, one of the things that you said also was, you're going to keep at it until it happens, right? Because a lot of people will give up. Like, you know, this was a shitty summer for a lot of people. This is a shitty time for a lot of people. A lot of people who had, they were like, you. 2019 was your biggest year. 2020 was probably the worst year you had in a while. But you survived it, you made it happen, and you still were plugging away at your goal, knowing that all the work you're putting into it, it will somehow manifest into whatever your dream is. And whether that happens in 2020, which is when you wanted to stop, or if it happens in 2025, you're not going to stop until it happens. I had a guest on my podcast who said, you know, he, the word focus, you know, you're someone who's tremendously focused. He, he uses the word focus as like an acronym. Follow one course until successful, right? Follow one course until successful. Focus. That's what you are all about. You know, like that's really what I'm getting from your energy. I mean, obviously a wonderful human being got a great vibe and all the positivity and stuff, but even just the name right. OE and the derivation, how you derive that name as sort of a, a, the exact yang of the, the negative ying in the community. Like you're the exact opposite, you know, or the yang, the ying to the yang, whichever it is. But um, I love it, man. I love it. And they, that you're, everything that you said embodies what this podcast is all about. Right about really setting a goal, hustling, grinding towards your goal, getting your daily win, getting, doing one thing every day that gets you one step closer to your goal. And, you know, I love that energy, man. And that's why I know that you're going to be just, you're going to be hugely successful, man. Nah, man, I appreciate it, man. And, and, and for the listeners, and there's some people out there, I want to say this, that don't beat yourself up so, so much if, if you don't get it in that day. You know, keep striving for it and keep going for it and keep in, in place in certain habits because, you know, it's hard to change habits. And if you beat yourself up every day, you're definitely not going to, you're going to stop doing it because you're failing and you're not feeling good about it. So nobody likes to fail all the time. So, you know, change the way you look at it. Just make sure you keep going for it and eventually you'll get that win. And once that win hits, all of those failures will look like and feel like wins as well, you know? Totally, man. Failure way to success, baby.
And it ended off, I like to say Shabala. I want the people to get onto that. It's a word I created years ago when I started the Oyez. Shabala means everything righteous moving forward. It's the Shaba gang. We do music, positive music, pushing that vibe. You know, we definitely got that street energy. We come from the street, but uh, we definitely, we're not, you know, preaching, stealing or killing or anything of that, those natures in our music and in our films and the things that we were doing later on in life. So it's Shaba gang, Shabala, everything righteous moving forward. Tune in, we love. Oh! I love it, man. Where can people find you? The last thing, man. Where can people find you on social media? Yeah, hit me on the Instagram, Oyez, O-Y-A-Y-S, right here on the shirt if you can see it, Oye.mayo, O-Y-A-Y.M-A-Y-O, or you can hit the Shabbos. There's a bunch of us. We all used to play ball. We all got talents, models, actors, artists, um, and we all doing our thing. So you can find them on Shaba Gang, S-H-A-B-A-G-A-N-G. Shabba Lama, man. Yee! Thank you so much for your time, man. Really, I really appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Mudgill podcast. The corresponding video can be found on YouTube, IGTV, and Facebook. Let's get it.